why did you keep going when people were so discouraging in different times and areas? And part of that is, where do you get your value? This is Charisma Connection. I'm Chris Johnson. And today I have the privilege of having Captain Tammy Jo Schultz with us. Now you may know that name from the news uh, because she was the pilot of Southwest Flight 1380 that went down April 17th. 2018. We're going to talk about that today because she's written a book called Nerves of Steel and uh, she's going to talk about how the Lord got her through that very difficult day. But first, I welcome you, Tammy. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's wonderful to have you. Now, I'd like to know uh, where your desire to fly came from. You know, I suppose just watching the Air Force jets overhead our ranch, they they anchored their dogfighting practice over our big hay barn. And then I I started reading about aviation and met my first flying hero on the pages of Jungle Pilot, uh, Mr. Nate Saint. And so seeing it done and then reading about it, getting to... Uh, have a perspective from a behind a pilot's eyes at aviation and it just it just seemed a lot more exciting than what I was doing at the time on the ground. <laughs> now uh, as I recall you grew up in was it New Mexico? Yes, Tularosa, New Mexico. Okay and now you're based in Texas? Yes, we live outside of San Antonio in a little town called Bernie, Texas. Okay, very good. Well, tell me, what are the requirements for anyone to fly commercially these days? Um, I, the the absolute requirements uh, waver a little bit now, uh, back and forth, but it's usually about nine years of experience, mm-hmm. uh, thousands of hours, and that's one of the reasons um, that commercial aviation in the U.S. is is very usually very very safe, mm-hmm. and so there's there's a lot of experience as well as training that goes behind getting into the the front end of a commercial airliner. I'm sure, and you had some experience with the Navy. In fact, you were one of the first women to fly the FA-18 Hornet. What was that like? <laughs> that was a dream, I have to say. That aircraft uh, just took the the thrill of flying to a whole new level. I I have to trying to describe it sometimes is a little different or difficult, but I would say it's it's that um, taming and organizing a thousand details into an economy of mind and motion. And that aircraft was so responsive, so that. Uh, it was pretty much what you think about you you want to do you could do mhm well as a pilot do you feel that you are still a woman in a man's world well there's about i think an average of 4% women mm-hmm. in my field so yeah okay and you and your husband both work in aviation don't you tell us how you met and and what your life is like together <laughs> well, I met Dean 
in the Navy. Uh, I was instructing in T2s. He was a student. We actually met at church, and I was not assigned to be his instructor, but he and and some of his peers had gotten together to do a cross-country on a weekend when they could also go skiing, and he didn't have an instructor. And so the other instructors said, hey, I think Lieutenant J.G. Bonnell is from New Mexico. I'll bet she'll go. So <laughs> that's how I got looped into to the the cross country to New Mexico, and that's kind of how we we hit it off. And um, and so, uh, thirty one years later, this month, he is still charming. I thought probably he was just charming because he was getting graded, but <laughs> he is thoroughly charming, and he's a captain at Southwest as well. Okay, well that's wonderful, and congratulations on your. Uh, longevity of a happy marriage there. Well, God is good. Now, I'm sure that many admire your perseverance as a pilot, your taking on this challenging career, and and all the training that you had to do to develop these top-level skills. But on top of that, on the day in question that we mentioned, you saved almost 150 lives as your plane headed down to Philadelphia Airport, uh, and that's just over a year ago. So tell us about that critical time in the cockpit when it seemed like, you know, it may even be the end of life on Earth for you and for your coworkers and your passengers. What was going through your head at that time? Right. Well, I have to to take a moment and set the stage. I was the captain of Southwest Flight 1380, but I was not alone. Mm -hmm. I had an incredible crew. Darren Elliser, my first officer, amazing man under pressure, and then my flight attendants, Rachel Fernheimer, Shanique Mallory, and Catherine Sandoval, ladies that unbuckled and got up and went through this flight on the 20 minutes down to the ground that they did not have to, and they, the character of those women just cannot be um, described. They're amazing. So I have to set that stage because um, everyone contributed in making it a successful landing. Um, the The flight had started out as routine as any flight from LaGuardia there in New York, headed to Dallas, Love Field. And so we were full of passengers and heavy with fuel 20 minutes into the flight. Darren and I both thought we'd been hit by another aircraft. The hit was so hard and knocked the aircraft sideways. We went into a uh, a rapid roll to the left. We could hear the ins- explosion of our number one engine, and we could see the, the gauges winding down as we grabbed the yoke to level the wings. And then suddenly, it was like being in a snow globe. There was such a shuddering um, that was a snow globe that was being shaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was such a horrible shuddering throughout that we couldn't focus our eyes on anything. And there was such a roar, we couldn't hear each other sitting a foot and a half away. And then we had this stabbing pain in our ears and we couldn't breathe. And so that, you know, that can make your adrenaline kick in. And I remember thinking at that point, and with adrenaline, you can think a lot in a tiny, spot of time. And Mm -hmm. I just remember thinking what you had hinted at earlier that I'm not sure all the big pieces are going to stay on to 
be able to fly to a runway. And that would lead you to the conclusion uh, that it may be the day that I meet my maker. And at that point, the rush stopped. And I remember just having a calm come over me, realizing I won't be meeting a stranger. I meet with him every day and Mm. turn around mentally and look at, okay, that's the end of the bad news. The good news is we're still flying. Time to get back to work. Well, when you reflect on what happened that day, what have you learned from that experience? I know you're back flying again. Right. Right. And you 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 started, you went back in the air pretty quickly, didn't you? Three and a half weeks. Mm. Um, Yes, I did. Now, our company was very gracious. Southwest Airlines supported their crew and and passengers, I think, in such an exemplary way. And um, so we had plenty of time off. I went back three and a half weeks later, but I I only flew about once a month for the first year. Um, We had had plenty of time off. But um, I will say, when you go through a dynamic situation and life-threatening, especially, it burns off the dross in life. It it definitely lets you peel back the layers that are maybe not as important, um, that life in the everyday starts hanging little things on your, on your back or mental uh, hall tree that just aren't that important. So I will say there's three things that I, I walk away as my takeaways from that flight habits become instincts. So habits on a good day become instinct on a bad day. And there's lots of um, aviation habits, but there's also personal character habits. I mentioned the flight attendants. When they heard my announcement that we're not going down, we're going into Philly, they unbuckled and headed down an aisle that was dangerous. They had sprained back, bruised ribs, cuts. I mean, just... Because they knew that that message of a destination gave hope and they shared it and helped people get their masks on and whatever they needed to do. So I'm just saying, you know, habits really make a difference in life. And we have that generous gift of choice. Mm. Then hope, um, as I mentioned, hope did not change our circumstances that day. We were in a rough ride and not not necessarily guaranteed a landing for the next 20 minutes, but hope changed us. And that's even more important than changing our circumstances. And heroes. I saw so many that day. And heroes are, they don't require equipment. They don't require a title. They're just people who take the time to see and the effort to act on behalf of someone else. Three passengers, I cannot speak of the flight without telling their names. Tim McGinty, Andrew Needham, men that unbuckled, left the relative safety of their seat, their oxygen mask, and their families to Hmm. go towards a very dangerous window to help a stranger. Peggy Phillips. Unbuckled did the same thing to administer CPR to Jennifer Reardon when they got her inside the aircraft. And So Jennifer is know, the one who was basically sucked out of a window, not all the way, but they were able to pull her back in, right? 
she is the woman that mm-hmm. we were not able to return mm-hmm. to her, her family. And the survival of 148 never eclipses the loss of one. Yes. And it's uh, it's a testimony to our American values um, rooted in Christian, Judeo-Christian value of life. She didn't know anyone on that flight and no one knew her. And that did not take away from her worth mm. at all. Yes, powerful thing to remember. So not all of us are going to fly a, a commercial plane like you do, but what, what all can we take away from your experience and what you learned that day? How can we keep calm in the face of adversity? Well, I, I do think that it depends on where our, our value is rooted um, I think just going through the book, Nerves of Seal, you'll see, you know, there was um, certainly different hurdles that I had to get over, bullies I had to circumnavigate. And um, it it's one of those things I, I get asked, how, why did you keep going when people were so discouraging in different times and areas? And part of that is, where do you get your value? Is mm-hmm. it in other people's opinions? You know, is it in your current safety? You know, where is your value? And um, I, I'm not saying I learned it all at once or that I have it locked in now, but I is spending time in God's word and at the feet of of Jesus in prayer that is one of the places that we get our our clocks reset. You know, we get our our compass uh, realigned with okay, what is important, who is important, and where do I get my value? We have an inalienable worth. Um, you know, Ephesians two ten talks about we are His workmanship, His poema, and uh, so He's taken such time in creating us. And I I don't think, and he says, I mean, one of the most repeated commands in scripture is do not fear. Mm -hmm. I think that reflects not only God's love for us, but the fact that he knows fear is, it, it freezes us and we're not to live in fear. Fear versus faith. Where where does your faith come Mm -hmm. from? I know that you clearly you've been in the word. You're a woman of prayer. Um, how did you first come to Christ? You know, I I would have to say it was it was His creation that really pulled me toward Him. Growing up outside a lot, watching a lot of sunrises, sunsets, uh, babies being born on the farm, and you know, just seeing nature, it 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 was pretty obvious even to a kid that this wasn't man made. And it it reestablished itself on a daily basis, so that made me think about okay, where did all this really come from? And I compared what I heard at school with what I heard at home in church with what I read about other cultures, and it, it was obvious everybody had a a beginning story. And the summer before I went into high school, I I decided. I I think I I get God's beginning story. His makes sense to me and and reading through James, 
uh, it made me realize that 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 verse James one five. If you lack wisdom, ask God, and He will give it generously, without uh, without reproach. And I realized He's a God of persuasion, hmm. not with a bull bat just waiting to to um, catch you doing something wrong. And I, it it completely flipped my perspective of God that year, that summer before high school. And I realized he is not an angry old man in the sky waiting for me to mess up. He is a young man who walked the same. I mean, he, he came in flesh as a young man and walked the same earth that I did. He isn't angry at me. He's crazy about me. He's not asking me to behave at 13. That would have been tall order, but he's just asking me to, to believe one, one very simple truth that he loves me, changes perspective in life. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing how God woos us to himself. Yes, yes. Now you've written this book, Nerves of Steel, and there's also a young reader's edition with the same title. Uh, could you tell us why it was important to you to create a similar book for younger readers? You know, it was my summer before high school, actually junior high period, uh, that the jets overhead really caught my my fascination. And I'd never even met a pilot. So they were well beyond my reach of understanding how do you get from where I am to where they are. And then reading about it. And it was a junior reader, Hmm. a jungle pilot, the Mission Aviation Fellowship, book about Nate Saint was a junior reader and that set my feet on the path to aviation. And I think junior high is where we go from childhood to adulthood. Um, in our, we start into adulthood in our thinking. And so I, I just thought this is where you, everybody needs a little, a little bit of, of a taste of what's out there. And in aviation, especially, if you're not, if you don't grow up around aviation, it it's a pretty daunting field to try to understand and get into, and it can look way too expensive to even have a chance at. But today is the best time in history. America is the best place on earth to get into aviation. There's so many free opportunities and scholarships available, and so I'm I'm super excited about the young reader, Nerves of Seal. Yes, and if people want to uh, learn about Nate Saint, uh, they could actually watch the movie End of the Spear, right? Oh, please do. It's fabulous, and the book's even better. Mm-hmm, I bet. Well, you've got a couple of good books here in Nerves of Steel from uh, Thomas Nelson Publishers. Uh, The adult book is Nerves of Steel, How I Followed My Dreams, Earned My Wings, and Faced My Greatest Challenge. And the young reader's book, Nerves of Steel, The Incredible True Story of How One Woman Followed Her Dreams, Stayed True to Herself, and Saved 148 Lives. Well, we thank you so much, Captain Tammy Jo Schultz, for being with us here on Charisma Connection, for sharing your personal story. We sure appreciate you. Stay safe up there. Listeners, I know you valued what Captain Tammy Jo Schultz had to say today. 
If you'd like to learn more about her and her book, check out nervesofsteelstory.com or captainschultz.com. And her name, Schultz, is S-H-U-L-T-S. So nervesofsteelstory.com or captainschultz.com. Thank you for listening. Do you want to unlock your purpose by connecting to God's Word in such a way that you feel the Holy Spirit guide your every step? As women, we can put the brakes on our spiritual journey because of our busy schedules. This is why Treasured Ministries helps women from all over the world learn how to cultivate a deeper connection with the Word of God, regardless of their schedule. Women need to feel the Holy Spirit lead them through every season on their faith journey, every day. Don't wait another day to unlock what God has for you. To learn more, go to tmin.live slash home. That is tmin.live slash home. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. <music>